Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 10 of Just Jay the Podcast. We are two episodes away. Well, this, I guess, if you don't count this episode, I guess we're one episode away from the season finale, which will be airing next Friday. Um, I'm going to have some special guests on that episode because I feel like why not end the season with a really cool, calm conversation with me and my friends. And yeah, I decided to have them on it. It's going to be me and my four best friends. So yeah, stay tuned for that because that's going to be a good episode. Got some good shit to talk about. Um, Today's episode is going to be... I wouldn't say another serious one because I know last week was about depression and suicide and everything and I hope everyone that listened to last episode was in tune with how they feel and in tune with their own personal journey and I hope it really helped you guys. Um, I know and the weather starts to get colder, sometimes we kind of go through the winter blues I is what I call it because, you know, when it gets cold outside, you kind of just you know, get back into your zone of working and stacking your bread. And well, at least I know I do. So the winter blues is kind of something that I always have to kind of force myself through and push myself through because you kind of lose motivation once the winter time comes around and you kind of like, you know, just get in your bag. And that's okay because it happens to me every single year. But every year I just try to learn more about it and be more on top of it so that it doesn't really like make me lazy or get off course of the things that I have to do. So yeah, I hope last episode was really, really beneficial for you guys. I know it was good for me to talk about the things that I I talked about on that episode. Um, Yeah, we're 28 days away from seasons two, season twos. I I, I can't work like this. I can't can't work under these conditions with you just barging in. What'd you do? You started. I I did. Two minutes. That's all I could do is two minutes without being interrupted. How did you know I was coming? Because I heard the door. So you still recording? Yes. Why? Because it doesn't automatically stop. I thought it's on you. But yes. Oh my. Yeah, this episode is not going to be as um, serious as the last one. Well, it may be because it's kind of an important topic and it's really important to me. So, but I'm going to like, it's really just going to be me giving you guys a bunch of information and you may know what I'm, what I'm talking about, you may not, but... I think that it's important for me to talk about because it is so important to me and because it is kind of something that I'm going through right now or my family is going through and I don't know I just take it seriously because it's important. So the topic for today is going to be criminal justice reform and the importance of solving the issues within the criminal justice system. I'm a criminal justice major. Well when I got my undergraduate degree I majored in criminal justice, minored in psychology. Um, I feel like both of those areas are really important to me because the criminal justice system and everything it it embodies is important to me and the life that I want to create for myself and my family really. Criminal justice being my major and psychology being my minor I feel like that kind of explains the kind of person that I am. Eager to fix a broken system that so many of my uncles, cousins, friends, and so many other people of color have been in and out of and so determined to help and understand people for who and what they really are. Like my goals in the criminal justice system are to change some of the areas in need of reform in the system and bring home as many African-American men and women that I can who are incarcerated for crimes that they never committed or were given extremely lengthy sentences that wouldn't be given to them despite the color of their skin. I want to expose the behind-the-scenes corruption that we all know exists but are too intimidated to bring to light. I feel like there's a lot of things that is are overlooked in the criminal justice system. Like, you know, you see law enforcement officers who 
may not be doing the right thing, but their fellow officers turn a blind eye because they don't want to get in trouble or they don't want to be blackmailed for exposing the truth. And I feel like I'm going to be the person who's not intimidated. And honestly, I kind of want to be the person that goes into the criminal justice system and points out everything that I see is wrong and forces people to pay attention to it. Because I feel like as a black woman in today's society, there needs to be more people taking a stand for what they believe in and trying to change the narrative. That's kind of what my parents have always taught me as well. Like, always speak up for myself and what's right and what I believe in. And I've always stood by that my entire life and I will never stop. Like, when a man or woman is put in prison, we often don't think about the children and the loved ones and overall the lives that they are forced to leave behind. Committing a crime will always require a punishment, obviously. So I will never say that all minorities are innocent or that we don't deserve the sentences that we get. I will never say that because whatever you do in this world, there's always a punishment or a consequence for it. But the ones who aren't or don't get the proper recognition that they deserve, those are the ones that I want to do this for. I don't even know where to start because to me, there's so many areas of that need to be reformed in the criminal justice system, like wrongful convictions. For example, I don't know if anybody has seen the Netflix documentary on the Central Park Five, but if you have not seen it, please go see it. It's very like heart-wrenching, but it's definitely worth being watched because it teaches you that, okay, basically it's a story of five young men or boys, I would could say, who basically spent a large portion of their teenage years and adulthood in prison for a crime that they didn't even commit and just watch it (laughs) just watch it because it'll show you a lot and it'll show you how even officials government officials back then had no regard for us and our lives because we were black we were just automatically guilty and that's a problem for me because I'm a black woman who's eventually going to have black children and that's scary. Being a black woman, like leaving the house and coming home every day safely is like amazing because it doesn't always happen. You have Sandra Bland, you have Breonna Taylor. Incidents where a black woman had an encounter with law enforcement and it ended up deadly. It ended up them never seeing their families again. And there's still so many areas in both of those cases. Mind you, that's only two black women on the laundry list of African-American women women and men who have lost their lives to police brutality or excessive use of force. Like, that's only two women. And in those cases, there's so many questions that are still unanswered. Like, George Floyd, for example. That's the most recent one that really, really shook America. George Floyd kind of really broke my heart because George Floyd was around my dad's age. George Floyd was 46 years old. My dad just turned 48. So if you look at it like that, you really have to put yourself in the shoes of African-American citizens when you re- when you read or hear about stories like that. George Floyd could have been my dad. That could have been my uncle. Like That could have been anybody in my family just going to the store casually trying to buy something and their $20 bill happened to be counterfeit. I worked at um, ShopRite. I was basically a front-end manager for like years. And the amount of counterfeit bills that I seen in my time there was a lot. And not once did I ever think, okay, let me call the police on this person. Because truthfully, like any situation like that can be handled with a simple conversation. Whenever I would be faced with a counterfeit bill, simply all you have to say is, hey, I'm sorry, we can't take this as counterfeit. Like, I don't know if you knew that, but do you have any other way that you want to pay for this? That's simple. They either pay for it with something else and they realize, oh shit, it is counterfeit. Like, you're right. Or they leave without the item. Like, it's really that simple. Calling the cops and all that extra stuff wasn't, and it's crazy because I literally wrote a paper about this this morning for class. 
And I talked about how like it's, I feel like me working in a supermarket was really like beneficial for me, especially for working there for so long. Like I, I met all different types of people, all different shades, all different ages, all that. It kind of put a lot, puts a lot of things in perspective for me because the George Floyd case could have went so differently. Before the cops were even called, that situation could have been handled, squashed, settled, and he could have went about his business and be living with his, his life with his daughter. That's another thing. He has a daughter who is way younger than me. Like, honestly, truthfully, and I say this with, like, the most respect for law enforcement officers and government officials as I possibly can, if George Floyd, God forbid, okay, let me knock on some wood, hold up. If, God forbid, George Floyd happened to be my father, I promise you, like, every government official in the entire world and every law enforcement officer officer in the world and in that city particularly would know my face because I'm raising hell. Because if it wasn't for the bystander reporting George Floyd's death, we probably wouldn't have got a conviction. That's number one. And number two, we probably wouldn't even know the full story of what or the magnitude of what actually happened. Although the George Floyd case was like really, that was a sad point in the black community because it was like, again, again, we're going through this. Again, we have to fight to be heard. Again, we have to fight to live. And it's like, I think for him, we really showed out. There was rallies, there were riots, there were, and I had never gone to a protest in my life before this. So I feel like 2021 and 2020 were the years of change for everybody. We were all experiencing new things that we have never experienced. Riots, protests, pandemics, like we went through a lot. And I feel like the pandemic didn't stop us because the the protests that I went to were so peaceful and so wanting to be heard. And I feel like the point was made because after George Floyd had died, um, they passed a George Floyd Injustice and Policing Act of 2020. And basically the act was set to do a number of different things. It was set to work to end racial and religious profiling, save lives by banning chokeholds and no knock warrants. That goes hand in hand with Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. Breonna Taylor was just sleeping in her bed, minding her business, heavy on the minding her business, living her life, sleeping, and was killed. So yeah, banning chokeholds and no-knock warrants, which I think is the stupidest thing in the world that we actually have to ban that for people to know that it's wrong. That makes no sense to me, but okay. Limit military equipment on American streets and requires body cameras. I also did a paper on body cameras like last week. I think body cameras should be mandated all around the world for every officer out in duty every day. If you are an officer in the line of duty and you go out every single day, you need to have that body camera on 100% because that's the only way that we're catching them. Because if you really think about it, back to George Floyd's case. If that was not recorded, that case would have went so different because there's no evidence to prove what actually happened. It's just our word against theirs. And whenever it's our word against theirs, we're automatically losing because they have, the, they have more power over us because they're white. And that's the problem. They look at black people or black Americans in the world and they automatically think we don't have any power. But if we come together, we have all the power in the world to take over. But that's the problem with the black, black community. There's no unity for us. You see all the white people coming together for the Trump rallies to protest against us. Imagine if black people did that. Imagine if black people were as unified as white people are. White people unified together or they come together because of their hatred for African-American people. That's, okay, that's crazy in itself. 
these white men and women hate black skin so much for what reason it's fucking unknown to us just for living our black beautiful lives but they come together just to hate on us now imagine if we came together and gave them that hate right back or not even that hate because i feel like black people just don't move and hate like we don't we really don't give a fuck about what white people have going on like we just want to be heard and have the chance to live honestly but imagine if we came back at them with that same animosity or that same hostility that, that, that they aim at us. Imagine, we would be unstoppable. The George Floyd Justice and Policing Act of 2020 also holds police accountable in court. Um, it emphasizes investigation and police misconduct. See now, when I'm reading this, I have all this printed out on a piece of paper so that I could remember it to tell you guys, but now that I'm reading this, it kind of infuriates me because it took this man's death in front of millions of people broadcasted all over the world in the year 2020 for there to be an act that emphasizes holding police accountable in court or emphasizes investigating police misconduct. That's, see, that's my thing with the criminal justice system. I, I'm, I'm intrigued by it and I, I love studying it. I literally, like, I'm getting my master's in criminal justice right now because I like to take it a step further and I do love the criminal justice system as a whole and everything that it's supposed to embody. But... That should be common sense. If an officer does something wrong, it's automatically, it automatically should be the court's duty to hold them accountable because they hold anybody else accountable. That's what I don't understand. And investigating police misconduct, what the fuck? Anything mis- like what? I, I don't know, I guess. I don't know. Now, that's what I said about there being no unity in the black community. We don't, we don't support each other enough as black people. Like we don't support our black businesses enough. Like we all came together supporting black businesses, doing everything that we can to come together, stopping gun violence in our poverty stricken communities, stop black on black crime, like decreasing that. Like if we all put in the effort to really come together as an African-American unit, we would be unstoppable and there would be nothing that they could really say to us. The world is designed for white people to succeed and be wealthy. That's the problem. We need to do everything that we can to get, you know, get our lick back. Hello. Basically, let the, man, that's why my goal in life is to be so rich that, like, you can't tell me shit. And it's going to happen because, like, I feel like there's no reason that our we should have to work 10 times as hard to get the life and the money that white people can just get because they're white. That's whack to me. It's whack. Another reason that I think... I even chose this major to begin with was because of my family unit because in reality like things happen we're not all angels and I've had I've had I can there's a handful of uncles that I can count that have been in the criminal justice system or in the prison system and honestly I don't love them any less just because they were gotten into trouble or just because they did things that they shouldn't have Honestly, whatever life decisions that you make is on you. It has nothing to do with me. I'm going to still love you and support you because you're my uncle. Like I said, if you commit a crime, there's definitely punishments that needs to be given. 100%. But because I've seen my uncles go in and out of prison, it has it's kind of lit a fire under me. I watched them struggle with, you know, coming out of jail and trying to get their lives back together. But then they end up fucking up and they go back. And then they ha have to, you know, be away from me for more years. I, I think that the... Black men is a repeated cycle of black men. Whenever they go into the prison system, it's really, really rare that they automatically want to straighten their lives out and they don't ever go back. The percentage is really high for a black man to come out of prison and, ha and be 
faced with the potential to go back because like I said, they get stuck in a cycle and I don't, I don't think black men are ever given the opportunity to actually live. Like my uncle, my uncle Nell is in prison right now and I communicate with him a lot. And this podcast is something that he's like really, really proud of me for because he knows how much like I've wanted this and how much this is going to build an amazing platform for me. So whenever we talk, I ask him for his feedback and I ask him for any, he's given me a list of amazing topics to talk about. But I think one in particular was the question of why do you think black men repeatedly go back and forth to prison? Or why do people hate on others and try to bring them down? Why is there no unity in the black community basically? So that's really what I'm going to try my best to answer. I'm going to try my best to answer with the knowledge that I have. And I have a, I printed out an email from him from August 26th. My uncle is somebody that is super hardworking, somebody that just wants to give his family everything that he couldn't have. You know what I'm saying? So him being in prison, this is not his first time. He's been, you know, he's been in prison a couple times. Okay. Like growing up, like there's been multiple times in my life where I didn't see him for years because, you know, he was away doing time. Never changed my love for him because truthfully, you're going to do what you want to do at the end of the day. And whatever decision you make, like I said, is on you. That has nothing to do with me and decisions that I'm going to make in my life. But like I said, every crime and everything that you do has a punishment and a consequence. So I think him getting older and he just recently, literally, he just recently had a birthday in August and he was in, in prison. And I think before when he was younger, prison was nothing to him because it's like, okay, I could do the time and get right back to my money when I get back. Now that he's getting older and he has a son who's getting older as well, it's kind of changed his mentality. And I recently went to go visit him and it was kind of like, that was the first time I had been, I've been on trips to prisons before because like it being my major, my, um, Fairleigh Dickinson, my school allowed us to like actually take trips and go visit the inmates and talk to them and all that shit. So I, I did it and that it was a, a cool experience for me to actually be inside of a prison and see these men and get to talk to them. But visiting my uncle was so different for me because it wasn't it wasn't just me going to visit the jail and just talking to the, these inmates that I didn't know. Like, my uncle's always going to have that positive mentality. I could tell seeing me and seeing, because I have never, I haven't seen my uncle in, since he turned himself in, which was like two years ago. So I haven't seen him in a long time. So seeing him and actually like being there with him was a lot for me. And then having to leave and watch him go, you know, to back to his cell and me leaving. Like, it was just a lot. Like, it was so, there were so many emotions that I was feeling. But like I said, I feel like him getting older has changed his mentality a lot. So he's ready to come home and he's ready to do things differently. And he's ready to change and he's ready to take a different route and actually be with his family, which I 100% respect. And I think that's, you really have to get to a certain point in your life to where prison isn't what you want to do anymore. And it takes, there's men out there that it takes them a while to actually learn that because I think going back and forth to, to prison, prison kind of provides men with a structure. You eat at the same time every day. You wake up and see, go outside every day. You have a strict schedule of when you can call people, when you could take a shower, when you could do certain things, when you can go to the gym. Like, it's a strict routine. And sometimes they become accustomed to that kind of structure or that stability. 
I guess you could say they get they get meals, they have a bed, they have inmates that they know, like, you know, they get used to that lifestyle. So when they come home, finding work and a place to live and trying to stay on the right path is hard because they don't have that stability no more. They don't have that routine no more. They got to figure it out on their own. And that's hard for them. So, and also when you come out of prison, that's kind of, they kind of put a lot of pressure on you to find a place to live and you have to have a steady income. You have to have a legitimate job. A lot of these men come from the streets. They don't got no, they don't got no resume. They just know the street life and get into how you can get it. So when they come home and they're forced to find a job and find a place to live, that shit is hard because it's like, okay, well, I've never actually had to go out and get a job. The streets is really the only way that I need my money. So they're, sometimes when they come home, it forces them back into the streets because that's the only way that they know how to survive and puts them back at risk to getting in trouble again and going back to prison. And this becomes their normal. Like... How do you really expect somebody to immediately come home and know how to have their shit together and know how to go about their adult life when they've spent years and years behind a cell, behind bars? What do you what do you expect them to do? But the criminal justice system doesn't make it easy. It doesn't make it to where they'll work with you. They don't it's it's they don't care. They don't care. And that's the problem for me. They don't care enough. There's not because and they don't care because it's not their uncles and their brothers behind bars. You when you go into a prison, the majority of the people that you're going to see are black. They, these white people don't care. These white judges and these white cops and these white detectives, they do not care because their skin is not black. So they don't experience that. They don't have to do the jail visits. They don't have to do the jail calls and they don't like an accepted chart. They don't got to do that. They don't got to do that. And that's what I think is lacking in the criminal justice system, the empathy. Every situation and every case and every man and woman that is in the prison system is completely different. But when you sign up to be a criminal justice official, somebody that's in the criminal justice system, whether you're a cop, detective, uh, judge, lawyer, whatever you decide to be in that field, there has to be a regard to, you just have to care. You have to give a fuck. Just because somebody is black and you think, oh, well, he gonna be back back here in five years let me just no that's no that's the problem my main goal in life I really want to be a supreme court judge but that whole law school shit is just not for me bro so like I'm gonna have to figure that that shit the fuck out but I want to be a judge because oh also one of the main reasons that I really want to be a judge though I watched the Meek Mill documentary on Netflix as well Listen, if you ain't watching your documentaries on Netflix, you are doing something wrong. Get in tune. Get into it. They have, man, that Meek Mill documentary changed my whole perspective on judges and what they do and what they shouldn't allow be allowed to be doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just changed my whole perspective on everything. So, and I'm not going to lie, the judge that Meek Mill kept getting for his cases was what made me want to be a judge because I want to be better than that bitch because she was really like, trying to ruin his life and she was a black woman that's why I didn't understand it so yeah that kind of that kind of really made made the judge occupation stand out to me but yeah it's definitely something I want to do I want to do it all in the criminal justice system to be honest with you like I would love to be a detective I would love to be a judge obviously I just said but a detective I feel like would be amazing for me but I just don't I don't want to be a police officer like, I have no interest in doing that shit at all. Even if that's just like, because I feel like 
any bridge that you go with the criminal justice system, they they always want you to start off as an officer to gain experience and then work your way. I don't want to do that shit. I don't want to do that shit. Because, like, that's not interesting to me. Police officers get so much backlash and so much, like, even me being a black woman, that would piss me. And I would feel like I would be, I'm betraying my, my culture and my family as being a police officer because you see what these police officers do out here. And I'm, I, first of all, I wouldn't even fucking make it as a police officer because the first sight of corrupt ass shit, I'm, uh, sir, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. I'm telling you to, I'm telling the lieutenant, I don't give a fuck. I don't care about no, no, I'm telling, I'm telling babe, sorry. And they would hate me. So it, it just would not be the right place for me. But let me get back to this damn email from my uncle. Anyways, <laughs> basically I'm going to just read y'all the little, it's like a paragraph. He says, can't wait to get out of here. All of this is time wasted. I'm physically and mentally drained. I've been doing this for too long. A person doesn't change until they get tired of the outcome they're receiving and have had enough. One, only then will a change come. All the other times I wasn't tired enough or ready. That goes back to what I was saying. Like All the other times that he'd been in prison, like it was just, I'm just doing my time so I can get right back out to the streets and get my money. You feel me? So like, he wasn't ready to change. I was insane doing the same thing, expecting different results. But the system doesn't make it any easier, so I don't entirely put it on a person. A person will come home from prison with a felony who wants to do the right thing, but his options are limited. The only job he's going to get is a factory job, a job that's not going to provide for him and his family. All other jobs that you will be able to make good money in are not going to hire you just because you have a felony. The system knows this, and it's a trap to make you go right back to the very things that put you in jail in the first place. Because that's what you know. You feel like you have no other choice. You've been out in the streets for so long. The judicial system wants us to keep going back and forth to jail. That's why. They put these stipulations in place. You can't do this. You can't do that. You have. You can't do certain things with a felony. The only solution is to start your own business or go back to school and get a trade. And that's why I went and got my CDL license, even though that's not what I want to do. But I have it and can always fall back on it. So I also have a, um, a, a good friend of mine, a high school friend of mine that's in jail right now as well. And he was also saying that like he had started picking up school when they were in there. And I, I love that because... I love that they even offer that for you because being in, you know, some of these men are in prison for like five, 10 years, like for years. And the fact that you can be in there and do something productive and get a degree or pick up a trade or do something like that's really cool that you, you it's not just you wasting your time in a cell. You feel me? So like, I like that the, the jails offer that for you, but I feel like if they're going to offer you all these great things while you're in there, why the fuck can't they do that when you're out? You know what I'm saying? Like, there needs to be more ways for them to, there needs to be programs that will hire felons or like, you know, programs where they promote jobs that will hire felons or promote living arrangements for people who have these charges on them. You know what I'm saying? Like they just need to make it easier for them to be reintegrated into society. Like they need to help them. They need help. They can't do it on their own when they come out of prison. It's impossible. It's impossible to start your whole life up on your own without having a support system. And some of these guys, they don't, they don't have families that are supportive like my uncle does. Not everybody has supportive families and people that will hold you down when you come out. Because honestly, some, some guys go to prison, their families forget about them. They don't want anything to do with them anymore. Oh, you're in prison for life? What the fuck? I'm not coming visit you. I'm not doing this for you. Like, you're going to be there your whole life. And that's, that's terrible to think about, but... It really be like that and they don't have the support that they need to have 
when it comes to building a better life for themselves. And that's unfortunate because some of them do have kids and some of them do have families that they love. I think, yes, it's on the, I think it's on the offenders and what they, what, what they do. But as also, I feel like there are so many different factors that could factor into why someone goes to prison. You know what I'm saying? So like, you can't really blame a person just on their actions. So I just feel like when it comes to the criminal justice system, there's, there's prevalent racism and discrimination that is still relevant in the criminal justice system today. And it should not be like that because I could have sworn we were made supposedly equal a long ass time ago. That's unfortunate that the United States of America is still so segregated. And that's unfortunate that we still feel this way. And I've never really had an encounter with the with the authorities. I've never been pulled over, none of that in my life. Thank God, I know that I'm not going to again because fuck out of here. Okay, um, but yeah, I've never had an, an, any interaction with police officers, really. And I feel like it's better that way because truthfully, and this is so sad because this is like my major and shit, but I'm immediately agitated whenever... I feel like I'm about to have an encounter with an officer or I have to interact with someone of authority because I feel like they don't respect me as a person. So why the fuck would I respect them as somebody of power? I've been in cars with people where, you know, they've gotten pulled over or we've had just random encounters with officers and it's immediately agitated me. And it's immediate, like, I don't want to talk to them because I know I'm agitated and I don't want to even give them the slightest inkling that I'm annoyed and that and that could immediately trigger their aggravation and this could take a totally fucking different turn so I don't even want to talk to them at all because I don't hell no hell no bro and I, I wouldn't even want to put a police officer in the position to where they have a negative interaction with me and god forbid something happens because my family will go crazy for me like immediately I just know it would be hell. And I would hate to to make anybody's life hell just because they treated me wrong or just it was a moment of injustice. Like I'm in, in, I'm envisioning Sandra Bland right now and God forbid that was me in any inkling or in any way, shape, or form. My dad will go crazy. And that's all I'm going to say about him. But <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Police discriminate against us and put us in prisons with millions of others who look like us and label us as criminals solely because of our skin color. That's something that I wrote down and just said aloud and like that shit is facts. They make money off of our struggles. Let me break this shit down for you. Police officers get, they have to have a certain amount of stops every certain amount of time. So if you notice an officer's pulling you over for some bullshit that does that just is like whack that he could have let you off for, it's probably because he needed that stop to really get him to another level in as far as like recognition. You know what I'm saying? So some officers take that to their advantage and they make as much money as they can off of us. Like if you really think about it, traffic stops or like tickets alone, all that money goes to the government. Whenever you pay for a ticket, where the fuck does that money go? That's Another way for them to make money. Locking us up for small amounts of marijuana. That's another way for them to make money. And truthfully, 
marijuana is legal in a lot of states right now. It should be legal in all 50 states, if I'm being honest, but whatever. Anything that pertains to marijuana sh just shouldn't be allowed, truthfully. This is why I need to be a judge, because I would save these motherfuckers so much money. But let's. do you know how much money it costs to house one inmate? There's these prisons with thousands, and prisons have thousands and thousands of inmates in them. Imagine if they cut that number in half. They would save so much money. It takes so much money to house an inmate, provide food for an inmate, water. Like, what do you, like, they're paying for another person to basically live in the jail. Imagine if you would stop locking people up for dumb, small shit like marijuana. Imagine if you would actually really investigate the crimes that you're investigating and wrongful convictions wouldn't be happening. Imagine them. Things like wrong, Khalif Browder was in prison for years for something that he didn't even fucking do. Spent mad years in solitary confinement and drove himself fucking crazy. Ended up killing himself when he got home. Bro, they don't really, they don't realize that prison in general alone and solitary confinement fuck you up. Rikers, they've been saying that they're gonna get rid of Rikers for fucking years. Rikers is the worst place for an African-American man to go ever. Rikers alone, when you hear that name, you automatically like, oh shit, that nigga went to Rikers? Like what? Like, come on now. There's so many ways for them to save so many lives and save so much money, but they're so blind to it. My uncle also brought up um, the concept of post-traumatic slave syndrome. I had never heard of this until he brought it up, which is like really fucking weird. But other races help and up uplift each other while bl the black community continuously pull each other down and just want to be doing better than the next person. Part of the reason is, of that is because we suffer from post-traumatic slave syndrome and we don't even know it, yet alone know what it is. Post-traumatic slave syndrome is... A theory that explains the ideology of many of the adaptive survival behaviors in the African-American communities throughout the United States. It's a condition that exists as a consequence of multi-generational oppression of the Africans and their descendants resulting from centuries of cattle slavery. A form of slavery which is predicted on the belief that African-Americans were inherently or genetically inferior to whites. This was then followed by institutionalized racism which continues to perpetrate injury. It is a condition that exists as a consequence of multi-generational oppression of Africans and their descendants resulting from centuries of cattle slavery. Multi-generational oppression of Africans and their descendants resulting from centuries of chattel slavery. I th okay, that's a, that's a really um, deep definition of something, but the impacts of generations of slavery could open up the discussion of how the black community can use the strengths that we have gained in the past to heal from the present. It makes hella sense. We, I'm trying to, okay, I'm sorry. My brain is really spinning right now, reading that definition. But if you really think about it, like, I just feel like post-traumatic slave syndrome really has us conditioned to believe that we're inferior to white people and that we can't be better than them when we really, really fucking can. So that's why I think the definition is so like intriguing and so fucking cool because like it makes hella sense, hella sense. But yeah, we're conditioned to believe that we're inferior to them and we're really fucking not, but that's just how our lifestyle has been set up. For me to, you know, give you, I hope I gave you guys some sort of knowledge on something in the criminal justice system, whether it be, you know, 
why they go back and forth to prison or the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, whatever, I don't know, whatever I talked about during this this um, episode, I hope you gain some knowledge behind it. I'm exhausted right now after talking about this because it's just like, I'm just, I just feel like the criminal justice system is such a lost cause. And I feel like it's a system that aims to, you know, promote justice and serve justice for everything that happens. But I feel like it's the most unjust system in the world. That's why the, t- the title of this episode is going to be Criminal Injustice. Because not much justice has been served since I've been alive. And that's been a pretty fucking long time. So I can imagine, like, yeah, no. But the importance of this topic was because a lot of this info my uncle helped me discover. So... Well, not helped me discover, but he kind of emphasized it for me. So this was for him and his voice as well. Like, I feel like when people go away to prison, they are their families often forget about them. Or they often feel like when they come home, they got to catch up to all the time that they missed. And really, like, it's really, it really shouldn't be like that. I can't wait for him to come home and just to see how things have changed and just... I can't wait for my future because I feel like I'm really, really, really going to make a name for myself in the criminal justice field. I'm going to upset a lot of white people, which I have no problem with doing. Absolutely no problem. But yeah, like I just want to change a lot of shit. And I feel like who's more, who has more credentials to change the things that I want to change than a black woman, a highly educated black woman. That's one thing I can't wait to get in them. Like, I can't wait to put my foot in the doors that are going to help me change the things that I want to change because my credentials are going to speak for me. It's not, man, I can't wait. So, yeah, stay tuned for me on CNN in, like, 2025 talking mad shit to the white senators. (laughs)